If you have your Bible, grab it. Um, we'll be back in John 12 this morning. Um, I love when the Lord sovereignly allows where you're at as a church to match up what's going on in your culture and in your world. Pretty phenomenal. Um, one thing I want to mention is we just got done praying for students and for schools. Um, uh, there's several of us in this room that had planned last week uh, on Monday to be at Griffith Elementary with signs, uh, with the whole Parents for Peace, just welcoming students back. Um, and so we plan to do that tomorrow morning um, to be there as students are going in the building. So if you have questions about that, you want to know more about that, I'm just going to direct you to my wife and she can help coordinate some of that and give you some direction. Um, let's pray real quick again. God, would you move this morning as we look for your hand, as we look for your word, as we look for your voice, as we open your word, would you lead us, would you teach us, would you show us who we're called to be as your people? God, in all the time, but especially in these days that are heavy and weighty. Um, so God, I ask you to move. I'm, I'm a weak man. I don't have much to say this morning that will be of any value apart from your spirit coming and absolutely unleashing his presence. And so I beg of that this morning. Um, in Christ's name, amen. I, I wonder if this week there's maybe been a sense of heaviness um, I hope so. Um, I hope that as you've been going about um, your life, that the events that are going on in our world, okay, not just our community, right? But Christians being beheaded for their faith, okay? In our world, I hope that there's a weightiness because as the people of God, that should always be the case, right? Okay, not that we just live all the time in despair and all the time in a sense of discouragement, but, but we live with a sense of, God, you've got to do something here. God, you've got to move here. But more than that, like, what's my part? What's my, what's my part in the game, right? I hope that's been present. Um, I want to look at a passage before we get to John 12, um, 1 Peter 4. It'll be up on the screen. You don't have to turn to it. Listen to this passage. It says this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering so that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you were insulted, if you were insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? 
And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner, therefore? But those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This is what shocks me all the time in my life, okay? Opposition comes, and I'm like, anybody else? Like, what is going on? Um, 1 Peter 4, 12 says, don't be surprised. Like, how often when, like, head scratchers, like, when, like, what, like, what's going on here, do we, like, are we surprised? And I'm not talking about, like, we should know all the events and how they're going to play out and, like, we predict things. But I'm, what I'm talking about is, like, we should see all aspects of life from the perspective of, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Do the events that are going on on the other side of the world surprise you? Do the events that are going on just miles from us surprise you? They shouldn't. Do they break our hearts and do we want to engage and find hope? And Yeah. Does the trial that's going on in your life personally surprise you? No. Don't be surprised. Okay? When, when trials come, if you suffer as a Christian, you know what that includes? It includes temptation where the enemy's pummeling you with massive amounts of temptation because you're just trying to be faithful to God in your home, with your money, with your relationships. You're just trying to honor God with engaging in the brokenness in Ferguson. You're just trying to honor God, and the enemy's like, I don't want any of that. And I'm going to come, and I'm going to do what I can to tear up your marriage. I'm going to do what I can to tear up your finances. I'm going to do what I can. Listen, it shouldn't surprise us. Why? Not only does the Bible talk about it all the time, but it's the defining marks of Christ's life in ministry. I mean, we've been walking through John, and what's been the story? How many times have they sought to kill him? His life has been marked by people that hate him, and opposition, and temptation. See, we're paralyzed by these things. And I love the last verse, uh, if it's still up on the screen. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls. Hey, you have a soul, and the intent of your soul is that it would be Marked for God, for sanctification and for glorification, you have a soul. And in the mix of reconciliation, gospel reconciliation in your heart and in our world, you have a soul that we as God's people entrust to him. He's our creator. He's the sustainer, not only of our souls, but of our faith. Okay? So when opposition comes, when what in the heck is going on comes, what do we do? We have a tendency to be knocked back and be paralyzed. Like, what's going on here? But what does it say? While doing good. You know what that tells me? That there's, there's an identity in the gospel that marks us out for who we are as God's people that's not defined by opposition, but rather gives us the ability to respond to it properly. Okay? So let's go over to John 12. So if you have your Bible, flip to John 
12. Opposition could be anything. It could be the events that are going on across the world. It could be the events that are going on in Ferguson. It could be temptation. It could be struggles in your marriage. It could be, listen, it could be a new job. Okay? Your life is trudging along. You're being faithful to who God's called you to be. And what happens? All of a sudden, change, transition. It's like, here, I know who I'm supposed to be. I've always done this job. I know these people. I'm in these relationships. And all of a sudden, something happens. God calls me out of that. Okay? There's a smooth flow of, of stream, and all of a sudden, a log falls in it. You didn't prepare for it. You didn't plan for it. Okay? So opposition isn't just like all the mess that's going on and the ugly, like, fighting and violence. Yeah, that's opposition. But opposition is also, hey, God's called you to get a new job or to change or to transition. And the enemy comes at you and you're trying to navigate the waters to, okay, who, who, who am I? How do I do this? Okay, John 12, 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I want to stop there a second. Because here's what's crazy, okay? Uh, Let me help us understand what's happening in these verses, because I think it can be misunderstood, because I misunderstood it until I studied it. So it looks like a dialogue between Jesus and his Father, Right? Where Jesus is like kind of like the Gethsemane, the, this is the pre-Gethsemane where in the garden Jesus is like, remove this cup from me, I don't want to die. But what's happening here is Jesus is in the midst of incredible opposition because not only numerous times have they sought to kill him, but they don't even have a clue who he is. And he's so frustrated with the fact that they don't understand. He's been trying to communicate, here's who I am, here's what I'm about. And they're like, who are you? But here's what's crazy, is in the text, it says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? Okay, that's not a prayer that he's praying to the Father. He's wrestling in his own soul as to whether or not to ask his Father that. Okay, do you see the distinction there? Okay, here's the distinction. The distinction is that Jesus, in this moment, he knows what his mission is. He knows the reality of who his father is. And he's wrestling with, not just I don't want to die, but he's wrestling with, the, the, I believe, the difficulty of what his father's called him to do. But in this moment, as his, in his identity as the son of God, he finds rest in the fact that it's about the glory of my father. And that's what positions him back on track so it's this internal wrestling with, what, 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 are we, what am I doing? Yet, what happens? He's reminded of his purpose. Yet for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Um, how easy is it for us to want the opposite of that? Does anybody want glory? Does anyone want to be recognized? Does anybody want like what you're doing to be known and your flag to be raised up? Even Jesus wrestled with that. But he comes to the realization that it's not about me. Listen, 
we don't exist to make much of North Church. To get as many people to come as we can because the answer and the hope is here. We know that's not true. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. And here Jesus is struggling with his this internal struggle that ultimately he gives to his father to say, it's about you. What's, what's going on in your life that makes you want to check out from the mission that God's called you to? I don't know about you, but like, there's some weighty conversations that have been going on in my home and in, amongst many of us this week. Much of it related to what's going on in our community. Much of it related to what's going on with racial segregation. Last week I talked about racial reconciliation. Okay? And I love it because here's what happened this week. Somebody came to my wife and I and said, hey, can we talk about this? Because I think you maybe defined some things wrong, or I think you maybe said some things different than I would have. And we, and we had like a hard but incredible conversation. And we're still sifting through it. We're still talking through it. And we had a hard conversation because here's, here's what's crazy. Okay, I wish someone would have said, hey, this event's going to take place in Ferguson, and so you need to prepare for it as a pastor to know how to lead your church and, and respond to it as your church, right? And then I would have been like, okay, let me get this book, this book, then we'll study this. But like, it was like, bam! And it's like, Sunday morning, and we're like, Rick and I are like, wait, we got to do, we got to say something, right? Okay, part of living on the front lines of, of mission as the people of God, all of us, is that we have to live and move and respond to the things that are going on, and here's what happens. At times, we have to clarify. At times, we have to talk through. Here's, what's, here's what we mean. Here's what we don't mean. What is racism? What is prejudice? All these different things. And I'm not going to try to answer these or unpack these things because I'm still sifting through them and I don't want to botch it again um, or redefine things that I don't intend to this morning. Um, but I'll come back to this, I absolutely promise. Um, but in the midst of this, here's, here's what this once makes me want to do. I'm not even going to bother. You ever done that? You get in a disagreement with your spouse. I'm going here, okay? Here we go. You get in a disagreement with your spouse. You start, to, you start to go to the conversation, and then there's this response. And for those of you that have been married for some time, you're like, I know where you're going. Like, I'm not, let's, I'm, I'm not even having this conversation. Like, you want to check out. You want to quit. Okay? That's not the response to have. Okay? Nor is the response to have where we, because we don't know all the answers, we don't even bother talking about it. Thirty-one. Actually, go back up to the end, of, the end of 28. Then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Here's what's crazy about Jesus, is that's his heart. Okay, he's on the earth, moving forward towards the cross, and he's painting this picture for all these people 
and that his hope and his purpose is that, to draw men to himself. Okay? Listen. That's hard. In fact, for you and for me, it's impossible. You ever been in a spiritual conversation and you're like, I got to navigate this well, right? Like, I got to make sure I say the right things. I got to make sure I don't botch this um, because it's ultimately my responsibility to convince them of who God is. Now, can we botch it? Sure. Can we totally mislead people? Sure. But here's what's crazy here. Jesus is on the grounds, the front lines of ministry. He's, he's in the trenches getting dirty to advance the gospel. A gospel that I believe is defined much by love. 1 Corinthians 13, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And so in the midst of this, Jesus, what he's doing is opposition comes. And he's choosing the road of love over the road of self-service. 34. So the crowd answered him, we've heard from the law. That the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to him, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's communicating to them the hope and the purpose of who he is as the light of God. Okay, and what he's saying is like, there's a point where it's too late. Okay, there's a point where in the midst of darkness, light has to shine. Okay, and the gospel goes out, but there's a point where the gospel message will cease. And it's eternity. It's judgment day. And here's what's crazy is all the miracles. I mean, we looked at all of them. All the miracles that Jesus has done so far. What does he do? People are amazed and wowed, but they still don't get it. Like, how frustrating is that? You ever been trying to communicate something to somebody, and over and over and over again, they don't get it? It's frustrating. It's frustrating because you, you're like, you want them to understand But here's what we see here in this passage is that salvation ultimately is a work of God. Keep going. 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled Lord, who has believed, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he's blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their ears, with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Every time I read these passages, I'm like, what is going on? Right? I mean, does anybody read that and you're frustrated with the fact that it's talking about God hardening people's hearts? Like, I'm going to harden their hearts because they might believe in me. 
Isn't that the point, God? Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that came from man more than the glory that comes from God. Here's what Jesus recognized. And here's what we have to recognize as we press forward in what it means to live out the gospel, to communicate the gospel, is that ultimately, the hearts of people, God's got to get a hold of them. I don't care how persuasive you are, you can convince people to come to church, but if God doesn't get a hold of a person's heart, it's a problem. Okay, Um, Acts 26, Coop, fire up Acts 26. Okay, we're all familiar with the Apostle Paul, used to be Saul. God gets a hold of his life in tremendous ways. Listen to these words that Jesus says to him. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things which you have seen and to those in which I will appear to you. Okay, okay, same message for us. He's appointed us to all the different things that are going on around us to respond to them, to be a witness in the midst of them. Okay, keep going. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles. Here you go. To whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So here's what's crazy. is Jesus just got done telling Paul, your job is to open their eyes. But we learn from numerous places in the New Testament that we can't open people's eyes. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Okay, Jesus, in his encounter with Nicodemus, says, Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Jesus drawing men to himself. That's his role. To draw all men to himself. I don't understand it, but it's all over the scriptures. And I think part of the agony, part of the difficulty, is you and I work with people that our hearts are to see the gospel take root in them. They don't know Jesus. And we're communicating Jesus. And we're like, why don't they see it? Because you've got to say it a little better. God hasn't opened their eyes to see it. And you know what we do? We continue to press on. We continue to be faithful and persevere in our mission as the people of God to communicate in the midst of all hell breaking loose in our community, in our homes, in our own hearts. And God will write his story. And God will use his people to open eyes just like he commanded Paul and sent him out to do that. Here's my question for you. Are you being faithful to advance the gospel? I'm not saying, are, are you being perfect? It's like, are you being, do you understand what it means to be faithful? Like when you get knocked down, when opposition comes, what do you do? Stay there? I, I, I quit. I'm done. No. 
get back up. You beg for God's mercy. When you fall into sin, you beg for God's mercy. And you press on again, recognizing that your salvation is based in him, and what he's done, not in you, and what you're doing. Are you being a faithful gospel witness to advance the gospel in dark days? Go to verse 44 of John 12. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as a light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I want to stop there. Numerous places. You can go in your Bible and go down through this passage and mark where the word believe comes in. Okay? Which isn't just this, I have this head knowledge, but it's really what trickles down to our hearts to, to bring us to a place where we throw ourselves on the mercy of God. And here's what's crazy. Jesus says, I've come into the world so the people would believe in me. So the people would believe in me. Um, I, I'm to the age where I've started to really think about, like, my life. Like, okay, I'm not a kid anymore. I have kids, and I want to be a kid sometimes, and I act like a kid sometimes, but I'm not a kid anymore. And, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, do do you understand that? Like, we sit in our homes, and we watch shows on TV, or we work in our yard, or we go to the store, and it's like, what am, like, what am I going to have to show? Like, in 40 years, what am I going to have to show for what I'm doing? Like, what am I building? Like, why do I exist? What, what am I doing here? And it's been this eye-opening thing because, really, the things that we're pushing forward are actually, they're taking us somewhere. So if who God's called you to be and who you want to be as a person of God, if you're not doing those things now, you're not going to become that. Do you follow that? Like so often I'm frustrated with the slowness of my own sanctification. I'm frustrated with my, my laziness to dive into the Word unless i got to preach. And you know what I've come to the realization of? It's like I have these ambitions to be this certain person, but I'm not doing any of the things to actually do that. We don't, stumble, we don't stumble into sanctification. We don't stumble into a healthy marriage. Oh, look. Wow, we love each other so much. How did that happen? No. We wrestle through hard conversations. We don't compromise. We don't let sin fester. We engage where opposition, where the enemy comes and wants to thwart and destroy. We engage. Why? Because We're going somewhere. We have a hope. We have a reality that we're pushing forwards to. Forward to. But here's what we do. Watch what Jesus is going to do. We have this tendency in our cause to advance the gospel. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not reject my words has a judge, and the one who I have spoken with, and the, sorry, let me go back, 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. 
The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day, for I, will, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who has sent me has given himself to me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. He talks about judging. This is an interesting thing that I kind of want to land here um, as I try to wrap up. Judging. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion and misconceptions about judging among Christians. Because here's what happens. Um, So, let's say someone uh, is just walking in a great amount of deception. Okay, that's not the word I wanted. Dishonesty. Walking in a great amount of dishonesty. So they're just like kind of living lies, being dishonest, and you're, watch, you're watching it. Okay? Um, and you're just seeing an individual just grow in, in dishonesty. And you go to them. And you say, hey, I, I've, just, I've just noticed this about you. Is there ever the response of like, don't judge me? Bible says don't judge, right? Okay? Well, that's, that's not accurate. Okay? Because Christians are called to confront and combat sin. A judgment is when... Here, here's a judgment. So a couple of us were down um, in Ferguson yesterday. We actually walked uh, down uh, to the Campo Green Apartments, prayed over the community yesterday morning, picking up trash. Um, there weren't many people around. It's kind of, things have quieted down a lot. Um, Rick was with us and decided that the, the media person went up to him and asked to interview him, would come, he'd push him to me. So, hey, this, this girl wants to interview you. I'm like, okay, awesome. So she gives me this mic, and I'm like, gosh, this is official. She's like, put it under your shirt. I'm like, well, this is like the real deal. So I put it under my shirt, and, uh, and so I'm like, Okay, like, what are we talking about? What are we doing? She's like, well, we're just going to walk. We're, we're going to go down there. We're going to turn around. We're going to walk back down the street. And I'm like, oh, this isn't like a stand here and talk. This is like, we're really going to talk here. And gets the cameraman, you ready to go? And like, we're way down the street and there's people around. And she's like, hold your trash bag so we can talk about that. And, and, uh, and then, you know, we did like a mic check. And the guy's like, and had to turn my mic on. And, and then he gives the thumbs up. And so we start to like, you know, do this thing, like, walk, and she starts to interview me, and, like, like, it was interesting, but it was awesome, because, like, she was asking questions, and I was really able to talk about, like, she's like, what, why do you find value in picking up trash? Like, what worth does that have in the midst of this? So I was able to speak to that. She was asking me about racial issues, and I thought that was an issue. I was able to speak to that, and I was able to take what we were doing to go, and I said, we walked down near the scene of the crime, and we prayed over the community. I was talking about bringing hope and healing and restoration. You know what? How many times I've gone online to see if they posted that interview? They haven't. Okay? Now, to, to make my point, okay, I, their camera could have broken. I don't know. Is it because I said something certain? Is it because I talked about being a Christian and how my faith pushed me to action in the midst of brokenness? Listen, my mic might have died in the middle of the interview. So here, here, here's what I'm saying. Judgment 
is I don't know the situation, but I could stand back and say, here's why. I know it. I know. How do you know it? Well, I just know it. No, you don't know it. It's a judgment that we're making. Okay, here's what's, here's, here's where we have to be incredibly careful. Where your passion for people to be right trumps your passion for people to be saved. You've become your own person and you're not like Jesus. Because look at what Jesus says. If anyone hears my words, verse 47, and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Listen, our role as the people of God isn't to be spiritual cops, isn't to be spiritual police, isn't to govern why people do things or why people don't do things. Listen, we call sin, sin. Where sin is present, where the offense against the revealed will of God is named as sin, we press in, we confront, we deal with. But where we don't know motives and we don't know hearts, we can't make rational responses to those things and jesus loved in such a way that led him to engage interpersonally to know people's hearts and you know what ultimately he rested in the truth of revelation 20 that's called the great white throne judgment it says one day people are going to stand before god People are going to stand before God. And the danger, I think, in the church is for us as Christians to stand back and look at people who don't live like us, who don't talk like us, and say, man, you're, you're in sin and you need to come out. Man, what did Jesus do? He went. He went to the slums. He went to people. He engaged their hearts. Did he call them sinners? Yeah. Did he name sin, sin? Yeah. And the temptation for us as the church and as God's people in uncertain times and confusing times and times of opposition and resistance is to make rash statements. Is to have the answers, right? Christians are so good at that, right? Typically it's something that goes on a t-shirt or on a coffee cup, right? You just, you know, says repent. How are you doing? You know, like, we're so good at having answers and not letting our hearts be like the heart of Christ to engage. So here's what I want to ask you. If in the midst of being who God's called you to be as a child of God, you face opposition, do you quit? Where are you at right now? Does something I said this morning, I'm just going to be frank, make you want to leave? Wouldn't be the first time. Okay, we'll just put that out there. Um, or does it, does it push you to want to engage? Does it push you to want to, man, let's talk. Let's talk about who God is. Let's talk about what it means to be a Christian. Let's talk about how to engage a broken world. Do not be surprised at the fire trials that come as though something strange were happening to you. Because it's not strange. It's exactly what Jesus said. 
I once heard a guy, big old black dude, was like in his deep voice. He's like, I won't do it, but <laughs> he's like, if if people don't hate you because of your walk with God, then you're not walking with God. I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to let you chew on it. If people don't hate you because of your walk with God, then you're not walking with God. Man, church, let's press forward to have hard conversations, to engage where engagement needs to happen, to have conversations that we've never wanted to have before, but maybe the events of today are forcing us to figure out. Let's press in and persevere in the mission that God has given us. And where you see people next to you that are in despair and that are wanting to quit, and you come beside them. And you speak hope into them. You speak the gospel into them. Because as God's people, we have a hope that goes beyond the circumstantial things that are going on. Because we know about an event that's going to happen. That's going to trump all events that are happening now. And we know of an event that happened. So we have hope. And so we press in and we press on as God's people. Let's pray. God, I entrust all that I've said to you. I pray that you would take the the truth of your word and use it to soften our hearts. God, where we've quit, where we failed to walk in the persevering identity that we have as your people, would we be realigned and restored to our identity? That though we're knocked down, we're never ultimately destroyed. So God, I just pray that you would move among us. Exactly what needs to happen, would your spirit speak it into our hearts and into our lives? Would we deal with the sin that's present? Would we deal with judgmentalism? Would we confess that sin? How would you stir and move? In Christ's name, amen.